Hello, my name is John Campion and I'm the West Mercia Police and Crime Commissioner. A very warm welcome to the latest Safer West Mercia podcast. Um, I will let my uh, guests today introduce themselves and the organisation that they come from. My name is Matthew Cole and I'm a hate crime training and engagement officer for Victim Support. And you work in the I Am Me hate crime training and engagement area of the uh, of Support. Yeah, so um, I'm, I, myself and a colleague Sophie, we deliver awareness sessions and training sessions across the whole of West Mercia um, for raising awareness about hate crime. It's, uh, it's one of those areas where um, uh, in society uh, it's been on an interesting journey and this month is um, LGBT um, plus um, history month where we look at some of the impacts of, 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 of either uh, inequality or discrimination um, has had in our society and indeed the journey uh, that we've been on. The purpose of this month and one of the reasons why we're doing the podcast is about educating people on LGBT plus history but also um, the the progress that we've made and indeed the challenges that 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 community um, still faces and and for me really important as we celebrate uh, months like this is that we recognise the past and the impact that that might have had on people and ultimately how we make sure that those mistakes in the past aren't, aren't, uh, aren't um, uh, repeated and second of all we support those in our society as a free and inclusive society um, that, we, that we want to be. And some of the, uh, the work that, uh, that you do on behalf of, um, of victim, uh, victim support um, is what we're going to talk about and how we uh, support those that might have been um, the victim of a, of a hate crime. And uh, we see in West Mercia relatively low levels or in, in the grand scheme of crime that is uh, reported, um, but what we do see is not, I don't think, a great level of confidence in some parts of the community to step forward uh, and say when things are, are not necessarily as good as they should be. But there are some improvements in terms of we are seeing the police being better at recording hate crime, we're seeing the police being better at actually identifying who is the, uh, to be held accountable uh, for that behaviour. But there is still a very long way um, to go because we do see um, some consistent decline in reports still. And we don't know whether that's success, is that there's less, or whether or not there are more people who are not reporting and it is still happening. But making sure that we've got confidence in the police really, really important. Um, one report of hate crime is one too many because that means that there is the person who has had um, a characteristic that they have used against them to have something that is essentially at the essence of them um, used to attack them. So Matt, going to talk about a complex subject in a podcast, so uh, no pressure. Uh, but in, in your mind, um, how, how do you describe hate crime to those that might be listening, uh, listening at home? Because there's some, there's some myths about it, aren't there, about what it is and isn't what. What is hate crime? So in its simplicity, um, a hate crime is any criminal activity that has been motivated by prejudice or a a dislike against somebody with a personal characteristic. So there are five, we call them five strands within hate crime. um, And the the strands are, excuse me, the strands are disability, the LGBT community, trans community, um, your race and your religion and belief. So if, some, if a crime is committed against a person and the motivating factor, so the reason for the crime, so let's say it could be an assault or it could be criminal damage, and the, the reason that's happened is because a person has took a dislike to you 
for that reason, for your race or your being a part of the LGBT community, that would then be classified as a hate crime because the motivation behind it was a prejudice against that characteristic. How um, the, um, the community um, often um, have gender or sexuality or gender identity used against them in, in, in the hate crime description. How do we get a sense of whether or not that community feels enough being done to protect them? How, how, do, how, do, how do you think we, we can understand that? Because that's an enormous question, isn't it? You'd have a view about I'd have a view about But in your work with the project, how, how do you think we, uh, we give that confidence? So at the moment, certainly from the feedback that we've been getting within the LGBT community um, and, and using that you know, in isolation now, the, the feedback has been that there's, there's a lack of trust, there's a lack of confidence in reporting. Now a lot of this is, is born from hearsay, from, you know, they may have had a friend who may have been targeted um, or assaulted or, or something has happened because of their, their, you know, their, their LGBT identity. Um, they may have reported and not, in their view, not much was done about it. So the word, it's that kind of word of mouth thing where, you know, so-and-so tells their friend and they tell so-and-so and it just spreads and it spreads. And then the, before you know it, people are like, there's no point telling the police or reporting it because they don't do anything take a few steps back and the reason nothing may have been done is because it may have been a comment that was shouted at somebody in a car that was passing by on a road that they don't recognise or you know they they, they, they they kind of just didn't know who the, the perpetrator of the, the, the verbal assault let's say was so the police haven't really got anything to go on and I think it's just you know from my side of it is about educating people when we go out and do our talks about stuff to be really honest I'd like you know if, there, if there's not enough for the police to go on, then there's not a lot they can do at that time. Because not every crime can be detected, can it? No. And that's a that's the same whether it be a, a shop theft all the way through to um, in a crime of this type or, or, or some of the most serious of crimes. But it's that how overall that sense of um, uh, that sense of reducing the chances of, of aiding a victim in the first place, but second when it happens, increasing the chances of that person being held held accountable. How do we manage that in our society? Because if you're, a, if you're the victim of lots of other crimes, the chances of the perpetrator being caught are, are still fairly low in the grand scheme of things, aren't they? For all the reasons you just described, it could be you know, no witnesses, no, air, no uh, you know, physical evidence, all those kind of things. It, yeah, that's a good question. Um, if, I mean, if, you, if you're already, if you're predisposed, I mean, some, some groups, well, let's look at, you know, people within the hate crime strands, they could be a victim of a, hate, of a crime that's, that crosses, they may be a disabled person as part of the LGBT community who may have a particular religion. So they may have reported those things um, and it's nothing they've done because the detection of the person, the perpetrator, is quite difficult in some cases. What we're trying to do is kind of, is just to make sure that people they've got support around them that they can reach out to support but that they do feel confident where they can in reporting and maintaining reporting because things only get done or things only change if people keep reporting what um what got you involved in the project what uh, what made you want to get involved because some of the aspirations are incredibly uh you know, well, they're amazing is probably the only way to describe it because the i am me project aims to prevent hate crime from ever happening in the first place so, the, the proper uh, primary prevention, getting ahead of the curve and stopping it ever happening. How, 
What made you want to get involved in such thing with lofty, lofty aspirations? Um, so, working, I was working for victim support, so supporting victims of crime anyway. Um, and this role came along, and I'm part. Of, I'm one of the, in one of the hate crime strands, so I'm part of the LGBT community myself. Um, and so I kind of understand what the impacts can be having, you know, being part of that community, having friends who have been victims of that I now know would have been hate crimes. So I kind of wanted to do what I could for all the community groups and actually to, it sounds very cliche, but I actually want to do what I can to change my part of the world for the better. Um, and that's kind of where I fit in with it. I don't think that's cliche, I think that's, uh, that's a great aspiration. And for me, you know, very proud, um, you know, to support the project in terms of its aims and aspirations, because I think we should uh, strive for the eradication of some of the things in our society that are harmful. Um, how, how does your work um, uh, link to the work of the police? Obviously, West Mercy Police have hate crime officers and lots of different activity um, in this area. How does how does your work link to link to their work? Okay, so we've got, as you just mentioned, we've got hate crime officers um, who they support victims who are they support people who are victims of a hate crime. So where possible, I'm linking in with the hate crime officers in each area um, and. When we go out and do sessions from an IME perspective, quite often and early on in the project, it was quite often questions were coming up about that would have been a police kind of question. So you know, putting two and two together, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to think actually you need a police officer at these places sometimes. Yeah. So I was link, I've been linking in with the with the police officers as and where appropriate um, to answer those police type questions because they do come up. So I can talk about impacts, I can talk about the affected groups, we can talk about vulnerabilities, but I can't really talk about real conviction if somebody asks a question that is a matter of law. Um, so we kind of work with those guys to make sure that everybody is really, really aware of, of what the police side of things are. How, um, do, you think your, do you think your work helps share the, the lived experiences of some people who would be um, the, the, the victim of hate crime in the, in the gender, uh, sexuality, that area of, of hate crime, do you think that lived experience gets heard in that by those doing the, doing the upholding of the law? Uh, yeah, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, not at the moment, no. I think there's still quite, um, I think, if somebody's like, if somebody who's been a victim of hate crime, I think that they've got a perception straight away of they are part of a group that has often been marginalised. And they may have been, they've just been targeted. So the last thing those people are gonna do is lift their head up again at that time. So I think it's, you know, it's really key when we go out with the police officers to make sure, well, when the police officers go out to crimes, is to just have a step back and have, have a think about understanding and have that more of a, more of an understanding because I would bet a pound to a dollar that most of those police officers on response know somebody who might have a disability or of a different religion and belief or different ways or are part of the LGBT community. So think about how they would think, how they would look at it if it was their friend or their family member. And that's the that's a, the important part in lots of arts policing, isn't it? You know, how is somebody I if I knew this person, how would I how would I feel? And that some element of that would be about knowledge, about understanding what is. And you touched then in part of what you uh, alluded to was somebody had just been attacked in either physically or verbally around a difference that they might have sticking their head above the parapet. Why would they stick their 
head of Earth Apparent, again, because um, one of my senses is it is about inclusion, that sense of belonging. This is my community, and I might have something that is perceived to be different, but it's not different, it's just who, who I am, as it were, and how, how we as a system, you in, 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 in victims of all, all the way through to what the police do, what the courts do, etc., helps drive that sense of inclusion. I think it's really, really important. Your project feels, you know, a central part to how we do that. It's not one magic wand, is it? To, to fix it, it's just another step on the journey to help and it how takes, make it better. And it takes all of us, you know, all of us to work in together and showing that actually that we are, everyone is serious about it. It's not just a flash in the pan kind of project or anything like that. You know, that's why I spent a lot of time working with the problem solving hub sergeants, um, the hate crime officers and you know, the, the, the community engagement officers as well. So speaking to all, uh, working with everybody. So we're all doing the same thing. So we show that unified response, that unified approach, so that the, the groups, you know, the LGBT groups, the, the, the other community groups, they see it's a serious attempt that people, that they are going to be taken seriously and actually they can come forward comfortably. How, uh, this is a question which is unfair slightly, so I'm, uh, interested in your view as to how, because you don't speak for the community, but how, how do you think the LGBT plus community have responded to this, this type of initiative and your particular project? To us, they said they've responded well to us in the IME project. Um, the, the, if you want to know feedback, the feedback has been a, still a sense of distrust, mm. uh, but generally speaking, people are receptive to it and when we, when we go out and deliver, and actually we've been delivering to the LGBT youth groups as well. Um, so when you know you can't go out to those groups, they those groups do tend to be quite vocal, <laughs> which is quite helpful because you want people to be honest. Yeah. So you know they've been saying to they've telling us about their own stories, um, but we've been going away from them with a real genuine feeling that actually if anything happened in the future, they would raise it, they would report it, and they would come forward. Because that's the only way we can change it, isn't it? It's, the, it's these crimes to be on the on the sheets that the supervisors, the you know, the chief officers I am looking at. So actually, this is the level in our community. So therefore, brigading a response, um, a response to it. Um, in your in your work, some of it is around ensuring that um, the those perpetrating some of these behaviours do get a chance to understand um, what they what they've done in terms of the victim getting a chance to. Uh, in, Engage. Is that how? Is that how some of it works? Um, as in, so, so that contact between, or the ability for a victim to be able to explain to a perpetrator as to what they yes. the impact of some of their behaviour. So we, a victim support, we're also commissioned to provide the restorative justice process. Um, so our colleague, my colleagues Andrew and Sam, they are active in that, very active actually in in sort of banging the drum for restorative justice. It, that process is a voluntary process, um, so people do have to go into that with their eyes wide open. So, from an, uh, they don't call them a vendor or perpetrator and a victim, they call them a harmed and a harmer. Um, so, they both parties have to agree to do this, and it's a very, very sensibly constructed kind of piece of work, really, that to ensure that both parties are kept safe mentally and physically. Um, to do it, but it does give the opportunity for the harmed to have their say and actually demonstrate to the harmer 
that they're a real person, this is the impact that it's had, and it works really, really well within hate crime. Um, we've had some really, really good outcomes. I've got some colleagues on the casework team, the IVA team at the moment, who are supporting quite a few hate crime um, cases, um, and they're referring them into restorative justice, and they get some absolutely great feedback from it. So it is working really, really well. Because that opportunity, and um, I engage with lots of victims, as, as you would imagine, around um, there might be an outcome uh, that, that is what it is, um, but that ability to actually try and break the cycle and say, actually, this is what your impact of your behaviour was, and this is what the impact it had on me, um, has got to be uh, has got to be good in terms of getting over the issue yourself. But second of all, um, not getting over this terrible language, um, processing yeah. the, the the ongoing impact of it through to um, through to the perpetrator, the, the harmer, saying, well, actually, this was the impact of my behaviour, seeing the human behind behind the person that they've they've language towards or indeed, you know, discriminated, discriminated against. So just more generally, what, what support is available to victims of, of hate crime, you know, both through your project and more widely? Okay, so we've got, obviously the victim support, we are a national charity and we do provide support to victims of crime, of all types of crime, so, you know, from sort of uh, burglary type crimes right the way through to homicide and everything in between. So we can provide support to people who are victims of crime that, that are victims of hate crime, so that's the practical support, emotional support, and just helping somebody to move on, you know, to identify that actually, you know, you will get through this at some point more than likely. Can't promise anything, obviously, yeah. because we can't. Um, but we you know, we work really hard to support those people. There are we would then where appropriate we can refer on to other organisations like Stonewall because Stonewall have a another set of resources as well. Um, there is, if it was like, just touching on the other strands, if it was like a, a race or a, a, there's been a lot of Muslim-based crime recently with the things going on over in the East, in Palestine. Um, so there's, we would use Talmama, so we'd refer to Talmama, who's a charity as well, um, that provides support to Muslim community. So there's, there's where, where appropriate, we would refer people to, you know, to the right places. Initially, there's also the victim advice line um, where people would initially come through to as well. In terms of um, help out there, and I don't mean uh, help in terms of supporting those that have been the victim, mm -hmm. there, there is a whole landscape in, in, in different areas, and yeah. uh, I know it could always be better, but sometimes part of that is navigating through and understanding where it is, so the project has a role as well in terms of you know, helping identify what might be, what might also be useful. Yeah. So we, we do that within the sessions as well, so if anybody wants to speak to us, if we've done a training session, if people do want to speak to us afterwards, obviously confidentially, but yeah, absolutely, and then we can, we'll do our level best to either support them there and then, signpost them internally, or to the most appropriate place. So this is a societal problem, is it? This is a problem that is in our society, and, and, and discrimination, unfortunately, is in police officers and police staff in the same way that it is in, in society. Obviously, we work hard in policing to drive those behaviours out of policing, but you can't drive them out of uh, society in quite the same way, can you? So what would be, do you think, some of the things that we can do to support the public to play an active part um, in, in this type of issue? And ultimately, progressing your project and eradicating hate crime. I mean, it is to prevent things. So whatever we can do collectively um, to prevent, I think is the best way. It, it, it's, it, 
The ultimate aim is, as we, as we know, is to try and eradicate hate crime as best as possible. We will never get rid of it in total, I don't think. I think that would be very naivist to think so. But if we can educate enough people over the next you know, X amount of time, then I think it will have a huge impact on the number of incidents that actually do happen. Um, you know, from the project perspective, I think it's things like, um, you know, there's more trainers, um, more people sort of actually out there doing this, um, because that is, that is a bit of a sticking point at the moment, because there's been, for about a year, it was just myself covering West Mercia. It's quite a big area, when you think, geographically. Um, but working, working more, and, and getting more, I suppose, airtime about what hate crime is, you know, so more people are aware of it. So it's not just something that they end up going to through work or uh, an add-on module that's mandatory training and like that, but actually making it more in the fabric of everyday life, of understanding what hate crime is, so people are aware of it. So we're looking at a big project at the moment in schools, um, that myself and well, the, hate, the hate crime officer for Reddish and Bromsgrove are doing, and sorry, the community safety officer, over at Reg Council, which is looking at uh, embedding in schools hate crime champions. So they will be a font of knowledge for people, and it sort of starts with that prevent, that, you know, looking at it from a prevent point of view, get them paired up with people from another school that might be a special need, educational needs school, get them buddying up, get them sharing experiences, and then they will permit that throughout the schools. So that the aim being that you know that more people will become aware of it, and as they move on through life, it becomes a, I suppose, a sort of um, like an entrenched mentality. Because knowledge is power, isn't it? Yeah. And, and more people have that power there, and the better that power to change, as it were. So the element described to me uh, from those that might be the victim of, of, of hate crime is around the, the weariness of having to to do something about it themselves always in terms of uh, promoting fellowship though. so those around somebody who might be the victim of uh, intolerant language or, or, or other um, discrimination that other people will speak out for them that advocacy of actually your behaviour towards this person isn't good enough do you think that's also part of the part of the work and how we support society to, 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 to reduce the, the impact that it's got at the moment yeah definitely I think speaking up is a, it is a big part of it and there's the, the bystander view, isn't there, with, you know, you, you can be an active bystander or just a bystander. Um, so if somebody didn't want to report themselves, and just hypothetically, if something happened or somebody witnessed something, then, yeah, anybody could report that for, you know, themselves if they felt like they wanted to. Um, there are various mechanisms for doing this. We all know if it's an emergency, it'd be 999, but you could do 101 to call the police directly on the less emergency nine, the non-urgent line. Um, and also there's a system online called True Vision that people can report there, and that can be done anonymously as well. The key point is that even if it's done anonymously, as long as there's a location attached to a online report, it will go to that relevant police force area. If they then start to see multiple reports, they can deploy resources into that area just to sort of see what's going on and actually do something about it. That's really important for those that might be listening at home that in an emergency when harm is being caused there and then 999 is always the way to report a crime. 101, the non-emergency number. Uh, there's the ability to report crime on West Mercy Police's website yeah. directly. Uh, and indeed, then, as you alluded to, there are other channels as well as to ensuring that the incidents are reported, including um, crime stoppers. 
Uh, and for us, that understanding the harm out there really, really important. But when it comes to accessing services um, in West Mercia, you don't have to be a victim of crime to access things like the Back to Victim Advice Line. So actually, engaging directly uh, with that, getting support doesn't necessarily always need a need a, uh, a police investigation or a police referral to make it happen, which I think is an important part yeah, of right. getting the right help and support. Because if you're not pro police or pro um, you know, the confidence in the police, and you shouldn't be disadvantaged from having some of the services that might help support you in how you might recover from whatever's happened. Matt, really fascinating uh, insight into a really, I think, exciting um, bit of work in our society. It's sad that the work has to exist, but it's exciting, I think, in the way in which actually pushing at an issue that, as I alluded right at the beginning of this podcast, has been around for a very long time. But really, really great to hear. Um, lots more information available not only on my website, uh, Victim Support website, and indeed on West Mercy Police's website if you want to have a look. Uh, please do, um, if uh, anybody has been affected uh, by some of the issues we've been talking about, um, using the channels appropriately to make that report or to find out um, a, uh, some more information. Um, I, as Commissioner, am absolutely committed to ensuring that everybody can be who they want to be. Um, they can be them true selves and therefore a system of policing and being kept safe in West Mercia to enable that to happen really, really important. We live in an amazing, rich, diverse community in West Mercia and making sure the system of policing and the systems that support victims as well are equally match fit to, to support that diversity uh, really, really important. And uh, Matt, thank you so much for the work that you do and for coming along today to talk about it. Thank you.